Welcome to Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes, produced by WKXL in Concord, New Hampshire, and podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. This is the almost post-election edition of Off the Record. I say almost post because we are recording this when there are still states and outcomes outstanding and what an election it has been so far. And we have, just think about it folks, many more weeks to look forward to. Uh, we're joined today by a very special and return guest, Cliff Schechter, an author, pundit, public relations strategist, um, whose firm Blue Amp Strategies is a leading democratic strategy company. Uh, Cliff has worked in politics for years. He's worked for the national committees and he's worked for uh, the AFL-CEO. He is a weekly columnist for newspapers. He has appeared on numerous radio and television programs of high repute, um, including the major networks and, of course, and the of ill repute, too, and of ill repute and off the record. He's a best-selling author. Uh, he wrote The Real McCain in 2008. Um, he actually went to school way back when. He graduated from the Columbia School of International and Public Affairs, the University of Pennsylvania. So he knows all about what's going to happen in Philadelphia tonight with the cheese steak vote coming in. And of course, I must mention the graduate of the <laughs> Institut de Francais for those of you uh, whose parents came from Quebec. You'll know what I'm talking about. It's an unexplained oh, I... attribute on Nous his bio. You parler français ensemble. Ah oui, alors, c'est possible de parler français alors. Mais I'm going to now talk. We're going to talk politics, oh, folks. Why? Ah, pourquoi pas? Why not? Because we've got a lot to we've got a lot to cover. Uh, as we record like this, as we record this, we are very close, but not quite there um, uh, in Nevada, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, in North Carolina, Alaska, we're not going to talk about. Uh, a lot of folks Early are- Early winning Alaska. Oh yeah, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, I don't think Democrats are, are, are going to win Alaska until the moose are gone, uh, which, you know, if Trump is reelected, that may be sooner rather than later. But, but, but Matt, I'm going to turn it over to you for the first hardball question of the afternoon uh, in terms of what's going on. Take it away. Sure, happy to. So um, look, Cliff, why don't you jump in here? Give us your sense of the big picture here. How should we be thinking about the results as least as far as we know them and where they seem to be trending as of now, this is late Thursday afternoon for our listeners um, who will be listening probably Friday afternoon. Um, are Democrats being too negative? Are they feeling appropriately mixed? Um, where are we at and how should we be thinking about this? Well, as Democrats, it's, I think there's sort of a law that we have to be too negative. Um, like Republicans rejoice when their people, their last two presidents lose the popular vote respectively by half a million and three million votes and find a way to win the electoral college and act like this is like the greatest thing that's ever happened. And of course we are all, we, we're always complaining, which is, is part of our culture. Um, I, I, look, I get it um, on some level here because Donald Trump is Donald Trump, but he's been such an abnormality in so many ways and a, and a threat 
frankly, to our system of governance and, and to the people in this country, that I understand why people wanted a massive repudiation. I did too, you know? Um, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that if things hold up, uh, that we're looking at right now. I mean, again, I've got my inside sources and you guys have yours and, and we may even um, not be sure of certain things. What I'm, what I'm relatively sure of is that we're not going to be able to pull off a victory in North Carolina, which makes me sad. Um, but, you know, we gave it a hell of a run and we're going to end up, we, you know, we, we're, we're last I looked, we were, I think, about 70,000 votes down. Um, it gotten a lot closer and, and that's a good thing for the future. Um, the, the, there's Nevada, Arizona, and, and some of these states have actually been called by some networks. So it's sort of like a, it's like they're like actually putting a puzzle together to figure out who's called what. Um, but Arizona and Nevada, if you know where the votes are coming from, where we, we do, Maricopa and Clark County uh, is where the lion's share of what's out there is coming from. Mail votes, mail-in votes, they're going to be for us. Um, the, the top folks who follow politics in both of those states have said they, they don't see a, a path for Trump. Um, similar for Pennsylvania. For people who know Pennsylvania, the mail-in votes have been coming at a ridiculous rate. I think last I looked, it was somewhere around three and a half to one Democrat. Um, and if you look at what's still out there and what's coming in, uh, you know, most of the Democrats who are talking have said they expect that between a 75,000 and 155 and 150,000 vote margin that it's not going to even be ridiculously close. So the question then is Georgia. And, uh, and we talked before the show, Matt, you and I have heard slightly different things. Although some of that information, I, I admittedly was out working out and uh, playing a little baseball with my son. So maybe uh, I missed some updates. But from people I talked to had looked at the, the, what, you know, where the votes were coming from, Fulton County, and, and the kind of votes that are very heavily in our favor. We're looking at the numbers and thinking that, you know, it was going to be very close, but that it was going to be a five to 10,000 vote margin in our favor. I guess that's probably the least certain of any of them. Um, and so how do I feel? Well, you know, if we do all that, we won back the blue wall. We took an electoral vote in Nebraska um, in, in the split system. The only other uh, Democrat to do that is Barack Obama in 2008, and he didn't even do it again in 12. We, we um, won back, uh, uh, we won a... Um, a, a important swing state in the Southwest by playing there and came within a few points in Texas. Um, we may have won an important swing state in the Southeast and Georgia and came within a point or two in, in North Carolina. You know, uh, to me, that that's a strategy. If you're trying to get over 270 electoral votes and you end up with somewhere between 290 and 306, you're doing pretty damn well. Um, and there are a lot of important gains. It, you know, I, I don't know. I can keep talking or if one of you guys wants to jump in and be like, Cliff, you're talking too much. Shut up. Go ahead. No, no, no. But, no. You I, I think everything you're saying is right. I, I mean, the way I would put it is, you know, Paul, Cliff, you guys are Democrats. If I had offered you a proposition a week ago that said Joe Biden is going to carry Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia, and will surpass 270 electoral votes by three states worth, which was my magic zone of avoiding a total electoral meltdown, would you have taken that deal? Yeah, sure. sure, sure. You know, and, and look, given what happened in 2016, for whatever reason that we lost the, the, the blue wall up in the upper Midwest by 77,000 combined votes, which put Donald Trump in the White House, um, if we were unemotional beings, which you guys may be, I, I'll, I'll cop to being, you know, uh, uh, more more emotional, although because I'm married to a very sensitive person, 
I, I, I would have said, yeah, but, but is it enough for us to take back the blue wall by, by, by such a tiny amount? And all these other races are so close. And, and we all thought we Democrats, we progressives, we liberals, we right thinking, correct thinking, politically correct to a fall thinking populace, we all thought that that this would be the end of Trumpism and that this would be the refounding clarion call for the Republican Party to rejoin the human race as we know it in America, <laughs> to repudiate the, 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 the caging of children, the ignoring of COVID, the, the pulling back from alliances, the disgusting display of narcissism. We all thought that, that, the, that the real message going on here was not just that Biden and Harris could be elected by some slim, slim, electoral majority or some slim majority beyond 50%, 50 plus one, but that we would have salvation for America in this election. And no matter what the result, we're not gonna get that. The progressives are not gonna get that. The liberals will not get that. We're gonna have a Senate the U.S. Senate that does certainly not look like it's a Democratic majority. I think we, we still have a shot in Georgia, but we, you're you're correct. It's it's, a, it's an uphill it's, it's an uphill a, it's an uphill battle. Well, can um, I ask about that? Can I ask about that for a second? I mean, Cliff, you you get engaged as a as a consultant on races just like this. So what we're talking about for our listeners is that it looks at, at this hour as if. Uh, unless something really unusual happens um, in North Carolina, which hasn't been totally called, um, it, there is going to be a, a two actually special elections for the Senate seats in Georgia on January 5th. Um, so Cliff, is that- Not only do I fix- often get engaged for that, by the way, Matt, I already have been. So, I- <laughs> so, so, so I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be working on one or the other for an independent expenditure. So. Okay. All right. So, so without giving away inside information, but you know, but give us as much inside information as you've got. Of course. Is this a real shot? Um, if Democrats won those two, they would have a 50, 50 split in the Senate. Vice president breaks ties. That means that functionally Democrats would gain the majority in the Senate. Is that realistic or is it just too much of an uphill climb in those specials? So it's an uphill climb, but here's why it, it is realistic. Um, you know, Paul is making some important points uh, about it. Obviously, look, I wanted a 400 electoral vote victory. I wanted Texas. Oh, that would have done it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and down ballot, we certainly didn't perform well. And there needs to absolutely be a, a look and an accounting into how it was, because there's some things that are more obvious than other things like, the propaganda used on certain key Facebook pages to try to convince Latino, uh, particularly young Latino men, but others to turn against the Democratic Party it certainly seems to have worked somewhat. Um, I, I think there you'll find eventually the hand of Russia in some of this. You'll find QAnon in a lot of it. You'll find the Trump people in some of it. This is going to be one of the big questions going forward is how we fight their, the, the propaganda that sometimes they can put out there even that we can't see, not just the Fox News. But, but I, I digress for a second. The, the reason... This is all connected to something that is that I think, you know, is almost beyond science. And maybe one of you can figure it out, which is Donald Trump, for whatever reason, 
that repulsive ugh, that he is has this like magnetism to white working class voters that is like it can't be explained by science. So th- why do I bring this up? Because we were surprised and confounded by results that were worse than we expected in 2016 because there was this surge of white working class voters. We worried the same would happen in 2018. It did not happen when he wasn't on the ballot in the same way. Uh, And then in 2020, it happened in an even bigger way. If Biden hadn't won over a lot of these other groups, we, we would be maybe looking at a loss right now. And it's why Wisconsin so close. It's why Michigan's so close and all this. He doesn't seem to be able to do it for other people for some reason. Maybe it's the combination of con man and shamelessness and the promises he's willing to make that other people can't stare people in the faces and has just spurred out the lies that he does. But I don't believe that some of these surge Trump voters in a January 5th election are going to turn out. It does, what, what I'm saying is we have to turn our people out and we could fail at that, too. But that's why I believe it's realistic that we could win mm. in Georgia and we can win in both of those races because because of that. All right. Well, let, so, let me. So let, let me. What if we wheel this over to Paul? I'm, 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 hey, Matt, I just want to. All you right, know, you go we, ahead. In the last couple of minutes, uh, picking up on what Cliff just said about the possibility in the special elections, two U.S. Senate special elections in Georgia. Remember that that here we are in early November. Uh, the. Final vote counts uh, are going on in key states, and they may take a couple of more days, uh, even before we are finally all done. Uh, The president, the current occupant, the denizen of the White House, has has all is already initiating lawsuits and wanting recounts everywhere, and he'll want recounts everywhere. Um, an, an election official in Georgia pointed out that while they're prepared for such a recount, that could take um, another week. Uh, and then all the lawsuits wind through, and then who knows what else Trump will try to pull. We're coming up to an electoral college vote in December, and there's already been lots written about the possibility that Republican legislators will pull fast ones if it comes to um, uh, choosing electors. We've got a period of uncertainty that's huge, plus holidays, between now and this Georgia special election. So the campaigning for the special election is going to be taking place against a backdrop of chaos and uncertainty. I will. I, I'm, we're going to take a short break, but against that chaos and uncertainty, I will tease my lead-in for the next question for the next segment, uh, which is why Donald Trump is so attractive. It's off the record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes, produced by WKXL with our great guest, Cliff Schechter. We're taking a short break. Do not touch the dial. We're coming right back. We're back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson, produced by WKXL in Concord, New Hampshire, podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. We are talking with pundit, strategist, really smart guy, Cliff Schechter, um, who is many great things, but he's also been a guest on our show before. He's back to talk about what's going on in our country and in our electoral process, the whys, the wherefores, and the what we get. 
And I teased before the break uh, a, what I, what, an interesting answer, an anecdotal answer to the question of how does Donald Trump do it? I mean, he's got terrible hair. He doesn't eat well. His wife has a funny accent. He gets COVID. He ignores people. In fact, his he dances really badly. He dances badly. His super spreader events gave 30,000 people COVID and killed 700. 230,000 plus people in the country are getting COVID. We're at record levels. Nobody seems to care. How is the election so close? So anecdotally, we have a wonderful neighbor um, who uh, works as a nurse and is a kind, generous, um, sweet, wonderful woman. And uh, she has a woman for Trump sign in her, in her uh, entryway. Uh, she put a uh, Trump Pence sign out in front of our condominium next to our parking space. We put a Biden-Harris sign on the other side. And my darling white Pego, out of curiosity, but you know, I mean, we're New Englanders, so we tend to be a little reticent about invading somebody's personal space, but said, <laughs> I, I just want to know, I mean, what is it? Why, how, how can, what, explain to me, she said, please explain to me why you support Donald Trump. And the answer came back, well, he's a pig. He's a total pig. And I know that, and I don't like him one bit, but we didn't hire him to like him. We hired him to do a job. And except for the Chinese flu, he's been really good for my 401k. So I put all the rest of it aside. I don't have to like him or his behavior or anything else, but he's finally doing something for, for the economy. That was her answer. Now, that may be an answer for lots and lots of people who are seemingly voting against their best interest, who disregard a tax cut that went to the wealthy, who disregard mishandling of the COVID crisis, which is amplified uh, economic and, and, and personal distress and disaster across the country because they're somehow convinced that he's good for the economy. Yeah, I mean, I think also, and I was going to bring this up earlier too, people forget this. Um, he's an authoritarian, right? So there's, there's a, a, an allure to, his, to the sort of authoritarian con man routine that appeals to a whole lot of people, okay? Um, but, but we're forgetting some other important stuff here. How does Donald Trump win when he offends so many people? Look, as far as we know, anyhow, Let's just take the last two Republican nominees. John McCain and Mitt Romney did not get help from Russia. Okay. They didn't have hundreds of thousands, about millions of dollars spent pushing Twitter bots and Facebook memes and all sorts of things that help peel off voters who maybe were going to vote for, for Democrats and then decide to stay home or even vote for Trump. Here's what else that now let's just go to 2020. Here's what else, at least no Republican president that I can remember did. Did George W. Bush blur the lines somewhat between the political and non absolutely he politicized the the attorneys we may remember back in the day, no stuff. But you, you and you tell me if I'm wrong, Paul. But 
but uh, in, or Matt, but I, I have never seen anything like this in the manner of which he had the DOJ openly campaigning for him, the Department of Justice. He had the National Security Advisor openly campaigning for him. He had the Secretary of State openly campaigning for him. He used the White House as a backdrop for his convention and for other events that he held. They broke the Hatch Act on multiple occasions and had accounts that were government accounts using our taxpayer money pushing out the Trump line. He, he was spending, I don't remember if they did, I'm spending the whole thing, 300 million of our dollars on a BS COVID campaign to tell people about how to live with COVID and how it wasn't so bad. These are the things we just know about off the, uh, right now. Imagine the things we're going to find out about. When you're running against somebody who has literally no shame and, and also no integrity and no honesty and frankly is a criminal, we don't know what funds he used to advantage himself that were not his. We don't know what threats he made we know that they threatened in 2016 now jerry falwell jr to get a to get a, an endorsement do you think mitt romney and, and, and john mccain were having people threaten people with pictures of their wife perhaps naked to get endorsements i don't think so what was he threatening certain republican senators with what did he have on lindsey graham what i mean i'm just making a point that maybe part of the reason he he's done so well is because of what he's willing to do which is why strong men take over in countries to begin with, that other normal politicians are not willing to do the lines he's willing to cross. And the last thing I'll say on that is he's only ever willing to do that for himself. And he's too stupid to see when doing it for others would benefit him. So even though, even if he'd done all these kinds of things in 2018, holding on to the house would have benefited him, but he doesn't do that kind of stuff for other people because he can't think, He's not a chess player. He's barely a checkers player. He can't think a few steps ahead. And I think all that to not have that conversation about the things he was willing to do that obviously probably helped him get more votes. The, the, the people he's willing to consort with, the, the, the Roger Stones and the Seb Gorkas and the whatever, the Vladimir Putins, that's an important part of all of this too. So, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask one last question and then I'll turn it back over to Matt and I'll leave the issue. What does it say about the American electorate, about the American people, that 50, just it seems like a little bit less than 50% are willing to fall for all of that? Because there's been reporting, it's been out there, it is, all of that is clear. What enables, what enables an American citizen in the 21st century to put that aside or gloss over it or ignore it and cast a vote for that candidate, Donald Trump. What, 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 what is it that has changed? Uh, because you wouldn't say that a McCain or Romney voter, you would think, would, would, would go for it. So, so what's changed? Well, you, are you going to jump in, Matt, or do you want me to answer that? No, go ahead. No, go ahead. You, you, had a, you had a good line of thought on this. Finish well, that. I think some of it's, again, his willingness, whether it's telling, I mean, it's not just lies, right? Mitt Romney would exaggerate the effects of his tax cut and who was going to help. And John McCain would fluff up things and exaggerate, too, as politicians do. And maybe even worse than Democrats and worse than politicians did in the past. I don't know. You'd have to do a study on that. Certainly, George W. Bush seemed to lie a lot about things like Iraq. But spreading conspiracies, scaring people to the point where they think that there are Democrats in a pizza place basement that are eating children. I mean, the kinds of things Donald Trump was willing to spread and share from his Twitter account, from other places, 
And that leads me to the, to the sort of next point. Look, we obviously, in some ways, we have a crisis in our education system, which I think Republicans helped create quite purposely. Sorry to sound conspiratorial, but when people know less, they benefit more. The best sort of defense against propaganda is education. Um, but I would say, second of all, we on the left have allowed, sat here, and I just, I don't know what it is. And I had a tweet storm that Matt was nice enough to, to you know, a thread to share the other day where I said a lot of this. Um, and maybe I'll lose some friends among the Democratic donor class, but I don't care. Why it is that we have sat here and watched the creation of Fox News, Sinclair, you know, the, the local uh, newspapers that have been taken over by right-wing nuts, local talk radio, so people listen to a talk radio guy that lives in their community and spouts crazy stuff, literally on 80, 90% of the stations across the country, it's a right-wing talker. They have an entire universe, self-reinforcing universe of stuff so that I know I've talked to people that I think of who are smart, a few who thankfully broke from Trump, one who sort of said he was going to vote for Trump because he was the lesser of two evils. He didn't know who Seb Gorka was. He was telling me about Nazis and anti-Semitism and stuff, not Nazis, but anti-Semitism. Oh, the anti-Semitic left. I'm like, do you know who Seb Gorka is? Do you know that he was he that he was hired after he, he received an iron cross from an organization in Hungary that was literally founded by ex-Nazis? Nope, he didn't know who Seb Gorka was. He knew who Ilana Mar was. And anything that she said in a way that I believe she didn't say purposely, but said in a way that was, let's call it, she awkwardly phrased to be anti-Semitic, he knew every word of that. And we are fighting at this asymmetrical war when it comes to information. They have better distribution than we have. They put a ton more money into the messaging that we do. They put a ton more money. Does anybody think Ben Shapiro got to the point where he's dominating Facebook because the guy has an ounce of charisma? He's like four foot eight and his voice is higher than my 11 year olds. Okay. He's like, but he dominates Facebook. Somebody has spent millions of dollars on creating him. It's out there. You can look millions of dollars in Facebook ads. Who? We don't know. Millions of dollars on the Federalist. Nobody knows who funds it. We can go on and on and on. They spent $30 million, uh, one donor to a, to a 501c4, which are organizations that don't have to disclose, to get Kavanaugh on the court. We don't know who the hell it is. I mean, my point is, is that like we're fighting this war, but for some reason, the donors on the left have refused to engage. And I don't understand. Now, I'm lucky enough, I do PR for one group, Acronym, that owns a, uh, the Courier Journal, a number of d digital properties in swing states that don't even do propaganda. They literally just tell people the truth. They, they report the news honestly. If Trump said something, they don't say, oh, well, Trump kind of shaded the truth. They tell you he lied. But they're not, you know, they're, they're, uh, do they have a viewpoint? Sure. But they're just honest. So we've got a mainstream media that is cowed into not telling people what the real stakes are. And a right-wing media that literally could exist as Radio Rwanda or pick your choice from any of the past sort of, uh, you know, autocratic, theocratic regimes that just repeats everything Trump says. And we're going to have to deal with it. We've tried to turn away, and, and you know, I'll finish this by saying I've had people on my podcast, some very smart people, some very famous people, you know, political consultants, national security people, and whatever, and none of them seem to want to take this on. And they're, oh, more speech is, is you know, the more, all we need to combat bad speech is more speech. That's not the way it works, was the old saying about the, 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 a lie getting halfway around the world before the truth puts its pants on or whatever. Now think about that in the age that we live in now. And what people are told and what people believe when they hear that. All, I'll, I'll finish with saying what it took was a plane crash under suspicious circumstances and a right wing um, 
uh, a right wing, uh, I don't know if I call him a plutocrat, but a right winger in Rwanda who owned the talk radio stations there, who, who had them start referring to the Tutsis, the minorities, minority folks there as cockroaches and encouraging the Hutus to kill as many, quote, cockroaches as they could. And suddenly you had 800,000 people who had been chopped to death. It would, I mean, do we have more of a democratic history with more democratic institutions to defend us at least somewhat against some of that? Sure. But are we susceptible to that? Of course we are. And that message is being shared. We're radicalizing people, especially young white men are being radicalized. We're watching it happen and we're letting them hide behind free speech, even though Germany, Great Britain, Canada, a whole lot of places have found a way to conduct democracies without allowing people to claim their news, go on, spread blood libel and conspiracies that get people killed. We need to we need to confront this. See, I knew that you had something you had to get out, and I'm glad you did, because that was a, a pretty eloquent summation of a big part of the problem here, which, I, and I like the term asymmetric information where, warfare. Um, I, I mean, you know, I, I want to take, take this topic a little bit to an assessment of how much really, I mean, you, Cliff, you've laid out a big picture problem, an ongoing, a, a long-term problem here in how Democrats communicate. Um, what do you think the, the big picture landscape really looks like? I mean, you've given, you've given us sort of, and, and this is for, for Cliff and Paul, I mean, you've given us sort of the, well, look, um, from the top level, it looks like we've defeated Voldemort. Let's all, you know, let's give ourselves a little pat on the back there and, and, and move on. But it does sound like there are some significant problems here. So looking across the whole landscape, the Senate, uh, state legislatures, uh, the judiciary, um, what do you think the, the issues are that, that Democrats really should be focused on and worried about coming out of this election? So we're going to leave it there for this segment. It's off the record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes. Matt has just teased a great question for Cliff Schechter, our special guest. We'll be back after this with more Off the Record. Don't go away. We're back. It's Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hose, produced by WKXL in Concord, New Hampshire podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. Matt and I are deep in an important discussion with Cliff Schechter, who is a long-term Democratic pundit and strategist, working uh, for many years in all phases of politics. He's now a PR guru uh, of the highest order with some significant thinking about what the election means and what the landscape overall looks like going forward. Cliff, I'll, I'll give it to you for Matt's yes. up question. Well, Matt, uh, would you like to tease your question for me again? Yeah, I mean, what do you think? All right, so if, if you're saying, um, let's, let's not you know, drive ourselves nuts about an election that looks like Biden's gonna win and we got the important thing done here, right? Um, what okay. I mean, this is this this is in many ways a pretty underwhelming result compared to where expectations were a week ago. What fallout? What longer term things should Democrats be a little bit more fretful about? 
Okay, well, that's good. And I wanted you to repeat it just because I want to make sure that I, I get to this, you know, very much the heart of what you're asking and answer specifically. Um, I mean, look, I answered there. We, we've got, look at how much we benefited from crooked media, for example, being out there. Um, look at how much- You're, you're, you're referring to the, the media company from. itself rather than a, a, an adjective in front of the media. That's correct. Sorry, crooked media was started by a bunch of ex-Obama folks. Sean Favreau, a speechwriter, and some of the other, some of the spokespeople, and it's turned into quite a behemoth in terms of they've got podcasts and video podcasts, and they try, they go and they, they raise money for candidates and this and that. Um, look at what how much that has helped us, helped us get our message out, raise money, all these other things. Um, look at how much even the Breakaway Lincoln Project did for us. You know, those two, at least as far as I know, got to where they got organically. Why would we not fund things like that to get to that point? In other words, we still are on the negative side of uh, a distribution uh, war where they have much more effective means of distributing their message than us. We need to get better. And that's a huge part of this is that we need more money put into more efforts to do this kind of thing. All right. You know, just in all sorts of ways. Um, that's one thing. Secondly, um, we need to more aggressively go after the Fox News and the others. You remember what, what, you know, after the whole lie and smear campaign, the Seth Rich controversy, and there were lawsuits that were put out there. I mean, I got to wonder, are, are you, I think maybe I'm wrong. You're a lawyer, aren't you, Paul? I am. Well, you know, it's much harder in this country to do anything when it's a public figure that you're, you're saying bad things about or misleading. But I got to wonder when Fox was was busy telling their employees to stay at home because they knew COVID was dangerous, but their on-air personalities were telling regular people it wasn't and that masks didn't work and they should get together and people died. I would think some lawsuits could come out of that. Am I, am I wrong? It's possible, uh, but challenging. Okay. So, you know, I, I don't know whether, but Fox needs to, the, 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 you know, the right has spent, 10, 15 years going after our infrastructure in every way they can think of. Think about it for a second. Unions, Planned Parenthood, you know, anywhere where there is money and you know, voting rights groups like ACORN, right? When there's money, activism, strength on the left, they try to destroy us. And I don't want to become them. I'm not evil. But when you're going up like against an evil entity like Fox that is basically getting people killed, um, you, you know, we, we need to push the envelope. We need to start asking these questions. We need to start pushing what, you know, like 40, 50 years ago, people literally Warren Berger himself laughed the notion of there being an individual right to firearm ownership out of a court. He was a conservative. All right. This right had never existed before. No one took it seriously. And the federal society went around and did what they did. And now we have the individual right to own guns under the current Heller law in, you know, constitution the decision by the Supreme Court of the United States. I'm sorry, but the First Amendment, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater and you can't incite riot. And there are, there are limits to what you can do. And even as someone myself who believes strongly in the First Amendment, who's a writer, you know, who is somebody who, who believe, has a podcast and has been on TV and believes in expressing myself, they're knowingly going on night in and night out and giving people information or playing on their fears and encouraging them to kill people is something that leads democracies to fail. And we need, we need to, to stand up and, and deal with this, quite frankly. And maybe it's by getting, rid, getting all of their sponsors to flee. We've done, successfully done that sometimes. But, you know, so there's a number of things we need to, to 
to be willing to take on. And now Facebook is a whole other thing. The final thing I'll say on this is we definitely, Matt, to your question, need to do an analysis of what went wrong. Why did we win those state legislative chambers when we thought we were going to? Why, you know, we brought, I, I talked to you before about, you know, Spanberger, the congresswoman in, in, you know, Virginia getting very upset about the fact that defund the police and, and socialism were things being pushed that, was that it? Did that undermine a lot of our folks in, in those lower races? I don't know. We need good data. We need to know what happened. Why did we lose so many Latino voters? Why did college-educated voters who turned on Trump, in many cases, stick with their members of Congress who enabled Trump? These are questions that need to be answered, and we need, we need to solve them. Because um, so clearly, me, yeah. down ballot, we didn't do as well. Let me give yep. you a little bit of, yep. let me give you some down ballot perspective, just the close to home for our listeners. So in New Hampshire, uh, which has perennially been considered a purple state, but a lot of New Hampshire Democrats felt like, okay, we're, we're really going blue. We all, we've been electing, uh, we've been voting for Democratic presidents and federal delegation uh, pretty regularly now for many years. So um, coming into this election, we had a big majority in our state house. We had a majority in our state Senate. We had a majority in our executive council, and we didn't have the corner office. Coming out of this election, with, where, where Trump appeared many times and his surrogates appeared many times, and he kept telling everybody it was a battleground state for him, he, he lost by eight, eight or nine points overall. Those same voters re-elected the popular governor, who they, I think, credited with doing well on COVID. But they didn't stop there. They flipped the state house by about 50 seats, giving Republicans a majority in the state house. They flipped the state Senate. So what was 1410 Democrats is now 1410 Republicans. They flipped our state executive council, which has to sign off on all appointments uh, and spending over $10,000, whereby we had a three to two majority. We are now at a four to one deficit. The entire state has now been given over to solid Republican control. So they, they voted for Biden, they crossed over, and they threw out Democrats every, right. almost everywhere they could. What is going on Well, we in need New to know Hampshire? that answer. We, I mean, but it's not New Hampshire. This happened all over the country. I was talking to my friend earlier today, who's one of the few hosts. You guys, you guys should do a home and away sometime. Uh, one of the few hosts of a terrestrial, like, progressive radio show, Matt McNeil, who has one in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Terrific Host that you know they were they almost lost they were they were going into the night hoping to win the Minnesota Senate and have a trifecta because they'd got they they had the House and they had the governorship they almost not only did they not win the Senate they almost lost the House um, this is you know I can only speak here I don't know yet the on the state legislative level here in Ohio but I can tell you we had two congressional seats we were very very bullish on winning did not win either of them. We had two state Supreme Court seats that would have changed everything here. If we'd won them, we'd have a majority. One of them was the former Secretary of State here, who has a big name, Jennifer Bruner. Thankfully, we won that one, but we lost the other one. So instead of going, instead of being up four to three, we're down four to three, and that's going to make a big difference in terms of redistricting. 
And this happened all, you know, all over the country, as we know. We, we didn't pick up congressional seats we thought we were going to in Texas and places. Like, so there's something went on why people were willing to vote against Biden. Uh, I'm sorry, against Trump for Biden, whatever way you like to put it. But they voted for their local Republicans. We need, and, and a lot of them were college educated voters. Um, some were Latinos who broke away completely. We need to know why. And I can't tell you that answer without seeing data because there's nothing that jumps out at me that says this is why it happened. Um, you know what I mean? But, but clearly we need to know. I do think though, it's very important to state one thing, okay? For four years, we've awakened to the terror of a tweet. What did this guy do now? We've awakened not knowing if he's kissing, you know, if he's having beautiful love letters sent as he put them from Kim Jong-un or threatening to nuke him. He's done both. We've had to deal with somebody who has massive antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, is probably a sociopath who has put kids in cages, who has let people, has, has, has basically said herd immunity is okay and let people die of COVID worse than that, has kept mocking people who wear masks, has kept holding super spreader events that we now know he's responsible for something, for thousands of deaths that can be traced directly to the events he's held. I just want to ask you if Milosevic or Osama bin Laden, or let's, let's talk about somebody with us, Boris Johnson, traveled around the United States, ignoring what the WHO and the CDC and whatever we're saying, getting, committing germ warfare against the United States, essentially, getting Americans killed by what amounted to a biological weapon. How do you think we'd react to that? But, we, but Donald Trump did it. And all the other things, the DOJ, the, 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 the bowing down to Vladimir Putin. You know I could go on all night about what will change having Joe Biden there with a Justice Department holding up justice, with foreign, with, with re-entering NATO and the Paris Accords, with, you know, with having a, a foreign policy where we work with our allies and don't, don't extol the virtues of dictators in Hungary and China and Turkey and the rest. I mean, think for a second don't ditch our allies and allow them to be murdered in, in terms of the Kurds. Like, just think for a second, all that will change just from that. And I'm sorry, but that is a huge difference. That will change our perception around the world. That will change our economy, not having somebody jumping from trade war to trade war because he's fighting with people, but now he likes them, but now he hates them, but now he likes them. Um, it will lead to, to more Democrat, to us being able to unite with other members of NATO to prevent Russia from poisoning people and from and undermining Ukraine and other countries that are trying to have democracies. I mean, these are really important things. So, so I, I really don't think, I'll, I'll just will be the last thing I yeah, say. I sure. really don't think you can undervalue the importance of having Joe Biden and, uh, and, and Kamala Harris in those offices instead of, uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pence. So, or, or as Borat yeah. called him, Mike Pence. Yeah, Mike Pence. Well, Borat, you know, make subsequent great movie about United States diminished capacity of America because Kazakhstan. We have looking, woman for you, Mike Pence. We have Mike Pence. We have woman for boss. Please take my daughter, Mike Pence, or Mike. Um, you know, but here in divided states of U.S. of A where Trump, Oltinsky, anyway. So, you know, you make an important point and I, I don't want to miss it. I don't, you know, I, while, while I don't mean to join the chorus of 
naysaying leftists who won't take yes for an answer. We will take yes for an answer. We will take whatever margin Biden and Harris win by. We will take it and run all the way to the bank. We will pray that the courts uphold the legitimate vote counting that is going on and and do not fall prey to the crazy guy who's tweeting, stopping the counting. And it will be good for America. It will be good for Democrats. It will be good for the world to have a sane, competent administration. For Democrats- Well, and I'll say, to say quickly, if they shut it down right now, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arizona and Nevada. So yeah, if right. they'd like to yeah. shut it down and just declare us the victors, that's fine yeah, too. That's fine too. But what <laughs> I will say is, and Matt and I know something about this because we worked for years on a messaging project for Democrats that ultimately didn't get traction because Democrats didn't see the virtue of messaging. And although I, it, you've talked at great length about the, the uh, asynchronous uh, media effort that the right puts in versus the left. All of this could be for naught unless Democrats get their act together to understand that control of the media, aggressive use of social media, being aggressive about uh, attacking where they need to attack and bringing a cannon to a fist fight is what's gonna be required to keep any gains yep. we make. So, Cliff, let me thank you. It's off the record. Very true. Paul I don't want to. Add, I say quickly. Yeah. I just don't want to sound like I'm absolving them of everything. No, okay. it's okay. But it's off the record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes. We've been talking to Cliff Schechter. I'm sorry. We could talk. No, all I'm just night. saying there are, there are legitimate criticisms to be made. You bet. Yeah. And we'll and we'll make them. We'll have you back. You can I'm even bring up us. Now. Go you ahead. could you could bring us onto your podcast, and we'll come and we'll talk more. But we'll also have you back uh, on ours. We really appreciate it, Cliff. Thank you very much from Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes. This has been the beginning of Counting the Vote edition of Off the Record. We'll be back after this to do a very brief wrap up. Don't go away. We're back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson, uh, produced by WKXL Podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. We've had a great discussion with Cliff Schechter, delving deep into what's going on with politics in America. Matt Robeson, we're going to need to bring Cliff back for, for hours of conversation because he is a smart guy who, like you, gets underneath what's going on, and I really appreciate that. It was great for our listeners to hear. And yes, we'll definitely have to uh, tap ourselves into the source again soon. You bet. Folks, it's Off the Record with Matt Robeson, Paul Hodes, produced by KXL, podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. We'll see you next week, and maybe we'll know even more. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to our sponsors who keep this great station and our podcasts on the air. We'll see you. Bye-bye. <laughs>